from a book called Covenant Made by Blood by Kenny Copeland. This is the study guide. Getting started. You're about to uncover one of the most valuable discoveries that you could ever dig out of God's Word. The reality of your covenant with God. This revelation will touch every aspect of your life. It will help you receive your healing when you are sick. It will give you confidence that God will meet your financial needs. It will strengthen your marriage and family relationships. And it will bring peace to your mind and joy to your soul. In our modern Western civilization, we don't understand the blood covenant. However, without a revelation of the covenant, it is nearly impossible to grasp the strength and integrity of God's promises to us. Because of his covenant with us, God will keep his word regardless of what it may cost him. In our Western culture, this depth of commitment is a mystery. We have become too civilized. Unfortunately, the more civilized a man becomes, the further he drifts from his commitment to keep his word. Today, it is not uncommon for people to lie, backstab, and cheat. Why has integrity been lost? The answer lies in the lack of understanding the strength of covenant agreements. A blood covenant demands absolute unwavering loyalty. Rediscovering the meaning of covenant relationship will turn the tide of Western's man's lack of integrity to keep his word. To seize the real meaning of the word covenant, you need more than just a definition. You need a revelation from Almighty God. The definition will only tell you what a covenant is. A revelation of your covenant with God will cause you to stand steadfast against the devil when he comes to destroy you. The mere definition does not have the power to uphold you against the storms of life. Webster's Ninth New College Dictionary defines the word covenant as a usually formal, solemn, and binding agreement. Compact, a written agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. These definitions could very well describe our modern use of the term contract. Contracts are very familiar to us. However, we usually think nothing of trying to get released from the responsibility of them. Probably the best example of our general lack of loyalty is in marriage. More than half of the marriages entered into America during the mid-1980s ended in divorce. In certain European countries, the rate is even higher. A marriage contract is two people promising to love and cherish one another until death do us part. But in our society, it has become extremely easy to break that promise when the going gets tough. The true covenant relationship is not easy to break. The strength of a covenant commitment is truly until death to us part. And even then, the commitment is not over. Some man-made covenants were made to last up to eight generations. God's covenant is to a thousand generations. Just consider, what would happen to the divorce rate if we responded to a, a failing marriage in the same way 
God responds to the fall of man. When a man sinned and separated himself from God, God does not didn't replace him. He redeemed him. God was committed. That commitment eventually restored the relationship between man and God. Through the plan of redemption, becoming covenant-minded will raise the level of our commitment to God's level and erase the word divorce from our vocabulary. When we will keep our commitment, even if it means our own hurt, we totally close the door to the devil. We will be committed to restoring break, broken relationships and refuse to allow Satan to steal, kill, and destroy our precious families. The devil was powerless to ultimately destroy God's relationship with man because God's integrity left no room for evil to enter in and bring corruption. The devil will be powerless to destroy us when our integrity matches God's integrity. And a revelation of the strength of a covenant relationship is the only thing that can lift us to the level of God's integrity and commitment. That's what we're going to discover in the following messages and study guide. Through our blood covenant with God, we are His family, receiving all His authority, protection, and strength. Chapter 1, The Union. The scripture is Ephesians 6.13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Remember, God's covenant with you is eternally sealed in Jesus' sacrifice. We're talking about the union. The focus is, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand thereof, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, Taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 13 and 17. The Bible is a book of covenants. Therefore, covenant terminology is threaded, threaded all the way through in from Genesis to Revelation. Our study will begin with customary covenant practices so that you will be able to recognize these statements. Your ultimate goal through studying this series is to become covenant-minded. This will, in turn, strengthen your commitments to your family, friends, and business associates. But most importantly, it will strengthen your faith in God. Blood covenants are recorded in all ancient civilizations. Only the relatively recent society have done away with this practice. Covenant agreements were entered into a bind two tribes together. The grounds for this union were always based on the, their differences, not their similarities. You will notice that this is exactly the opposite of man's natural tendency apart from covenant relationship. Racism, denominationalism, which are in direct opposition to the purpose of covenant agreements, are perfect examples. These beliefs cause a separation between those who are different, either because of skin, color, or religious 
preferences. this. They separate men who are different and bind together men who are similar. The problem with this is that you not only have the same strength, but you also have the same weaknesses. So in the end, you're left with nothing to save you from your weaknesses. In ancient civilizations, since the covenant agreement was entered based on differences and not similarities, their strength and weaknesses balance each other out. This union made both tribes strong. Lengthy discussions were made in order to produce agreements and harmony. During these negotiations, the two families agreed to each party's responsibility in the union. They agreed upon a blessing for keeping the terms as well as a curse for breaking them. The fear of the curse and the desire to benefit from the blessing kept the parties in line. Then each family which a representative, the representative was one who had the very character of the family. If the family were strong warriors, the, the representative was the greatest and most highly skilled warrior of them all. If the family were business-minded, the representative was the shrewd business person in the family. The representative was always someone with whom the whole family would identify. He was also someone with whom others identified the family. In our covenant with God, Jesus is our representative. And the phrases in the Pauline epistles which states, In Christ, in whom, in Him, through Christ, are statements of our identification with Him. As a born-again believer, you have taken on His nature and character. Thus, you are identified as a Christian or little Christ. Next, they chose a covenant site. It was a place where all the family members could gather around to watch the covenant rites take place. After the site was chosen, the sacrificial animals were selected. They were most often large animals who would shed a great deal of blood when slaughtered. The animals were cut from the back of the neck down the backbone. The two halves fell to the ground, laying opposite of each other. Their blood spilled on the ground between the two halves, and the alley between them was customarily called the walkway of blood. As the covenant ceremony began, each representative removed his coat and exchanged it with the other representative. The coat represented the strength and authority of each family. By exchanging coats, they symbolically exchanged authority. Then they exchanged their weapon belts, which meant they would fight one another's battles. Ephesians 6, where the Bible talks about putting on the whole armor of God, is a covenant statement. He has given us his armor and joined forces with us to fight our enemies, the devil. After the exchange of coat and weapons, belts and representatives states the terms of the covenant. Then the participants performed the walk of blood. They walked between the two animal halves and stood in the midst of the blood. They made irrevocable promises and stated the curse of penalty for breaking the promises. This part of the covenant rite was very impressive. The sight, smell, and feel of blood is an awesome thing, not easily forgotten. Covenants were cut and blood was shed so the promises would make a deep and lasting impression on the memories of each of the family members. Also a very impressive procedure, the covenant representatives then cut themselves, either on the wrist or the hand, in order to mingle with blood together, their blood. This signified 
that the two were actually one, having the same blood. They lifted their arms so everyone could see the cuts. Then they wore oats by their gods. They swore. Gunpowder or another substance was rubbed into the cut to make the scar that much more outstanding. The purpose of this procedure was to affect the memories of the families. That awesome, ugly scar would forever remain, remind them of the promises they had made to each other. Then the two families exchanged their names. Actually, they joined their names together. For example, if the Williamses and the Bergs made covenant together from that moment on, they were known as the Williamsburgs. And ex in exchanging their names, they also exchanged their friendship. Then came a coveted meal of bread and wine. This was the grand finale of the covenant rite. The bread represented the body and the wine represented the blood. The meal of bread and wine symbolized each family giving themselves to the other family, even to the point of dying for one another, if need be. They ate in remembrance of what they did that day in cutting a covenant together. Now begin to enjoy it. Do, does this remind you of Jesus at the Last Supper? He said, This is my body which is broken for you, the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. Break the bread. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. You see, the Bible is a book of covenants, and there is a reason behind every symbol and phrase in it. As we continue our study, your covenant with God will come more and more into focus, and your faith will become stronger than ever. Amen. And the chapter one, and there's uh, there's some questions, but we'll ask those later. Well, let's go ahead and ask the questions now. It says one, purpose of covenant agreements: a to bind two or more families together; b to unite in both strengths and weaknesses. Okay, we know that it's not a question; it's just a, a nutshell, a reminder. Number two, covenant practices: a come to terms of agreement. One promise, blessing, and a curse. One, two, three. Promises, blessings, and curses. B, A, representative is chosen. C, site chosen. D, covenant right. And one, term stated. Two, blessing stated. Three, curse stated. And we enter the second covenant by A, faith in the blood of Jesus and B, becoming his joint heir. We enter the second covenant by faith in the blood of Jesus and becoming joint heir. Now here's the questions. What was the purpose of entering into a covenant agreement with another tribe or family? Well, because they were strong in this area, they had ships and we had the wood, so we made an agreement, okay? What was the basis for the union? Uh, a meal, a bread, a sacrificial lamb. Why was there a blessing and a curse involved in making a covenant? Uh, because there was uh, rewards and, uh, and, and curses in not keeping the covenant. 
if I didn't provide any wood and they didn't provide any uh, spices and herbs and um, honey and things from faraway countries, then there would be a, a curse involved. In your own words, explain how a covenant union differs from the natural tendency of man to unite with another man or group. Use school clips, racism, or demonization to illustrate. In your own words, explain how a covenant union differs from the natural tendencies of man to unite with another man or group. Well, uh, welfare for one, you know. Uh, we're not work. We don't make a covenant agreement with an employer. And we, get, we sign up for free money. And even though it's just a little bit, it keeps us hanging on through poverty. It's, it's a man-made covenant. Um, I'd rather get some hunger and then go out and find a job, which is God's way. Number five, personal applications. How do you expect to benefit from studying this series on the covenant? I believe that's the missing link in my life is uh, taking communion two, three times a day and uh, praying for others. And right now I'm on the quest of understanding the covenant agreement thoroughly uh, so that I can uh, pray with others and, and, uh, and have confidence in it that reading of the scriptures on a daily basis, say for instance, 1 John 1 through 5 or John 14, 15, 16 and 17, like I was doing this early in the morning, two to three in the morning, I was reading that, and it it affects the the rest of my day. And and on top of that, taking a covenant, so I fulfill all the uh, requirements. You know, stay in His Word, and remember me. Okay, and I I believe I will, we will get better in prayer, hitting the mark. Not missing it, but becoming good, skillful prayer warriors. And the scripture for today is, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light to other Gentiles. Isaiah 42, 6. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for being our covenant agreement and arranging us in the way you desire, Lord. We give you our lives and our, and our homes. And Lord, I have a piece of bread here. This is my body, Jesus said, that was broken for you. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us. Amen. It was broken for us. This reminds me of Jesus at the Last Supper. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Thank you, Lord, for breaking your... I accept that. I believe it. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for your bread of life. And this is my cup of the New Testament in my blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ. Do you this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We remember your blood and it establishes in your covenant. I drink apple cider vinegar with water. You see, the Bible is a book of covenants. And we thank you, Lord, for the blood and the Lamb of God. Amen. Chapter 2. And it came to pass that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. 1 Samuel 18, 1 and 3. Because of your covenant with God, nothing you do can separate you from his love. God's love is not based on what you deserve, but on what he's promised. Establishing a royal relationship. A loyal relationship. Focus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The purpose of a covenant is to establish a relationship which is impossible to break. The covenant has procedures and customs which guarantee the relationship. It has both a curse to discourage breaking the relationship and a blessing to encourage loyalty. Establishing a covenant agreement is the closest man can come to attaining the degree of God's loyalty. In God's covenant, his motivation for keeping his word is his love, not the fear of a curse. His integrity is completely determined on his own character. God's love entails a loyalty that is true even towards those who are disloyal to him. In other words, God is faithful to his word even when we are unfaithful to him. The quality of God's love is difficult for human nature to understand. Human love without a covenant always has a self-preservation and self-protection quality about it. Human love is never totally unselfish apart from a covenant. It can never completely give itself for fear of being hurt. <clears throat> but God's love gives and gives, and even when nothing is given in return, it gives. The Hebrew word for God's love is hesed. In the New Testament Greek equivalent is agape. There is no definition for this word hesed, but it's Meaning comes to light as you receive a revelation of a covenant relationship. Translators have had a hard time translating this word uh, into English. It has been translated as loving kindness and as mercy. But these words are a far cry from its full meaning. <clears throat> has said means <clears throat> unending loyalty with all of its implications. Hesed means that no matter what happens and no matter how little we give to him in return, we will forever be at the forefront of God's thinking. Nothing will take precedence over his devotion towards us and his concern for our welfare. According to John 3.16, it was Hesed that motivated God to send Jesus as the lamb slain for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
His body is marked with a remembrance of that love. The marks are the nail scars on his hands and feet. They are the scars on his head, in his side, and on his back. He can never forget us, nor the price he paid to redeem us. He has made himself to be one with us. He has knit his soul and his spirit with ours. A Demonstration of Covenant Focus And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking into Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him at his own soul. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. 1 Samuel 18, 1, 3. This is the kind of loyalty David and Jonathan share. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 1, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. David and Jonathan had made a covenant with each other, 1 Samuel 18, 3. Their bond was so close, it was as if they were one man, not two. Nothing could destroy or diminish the loyalty they had toward one another. As you read further into David's story in 2 Samuel, you'll discover that through the years, Saul, the king of Israel, developed an offense towards David. His bitterness led him to pollute his household with fear and lies about David. He believed David was out to steal his throne and take his life. So he spread these lies every way he could to whoever would listen. But Saul was deceived. David was the only true loyal man he had in his kingdom. He was loyal because of his covenant with Jonathan. In his fear and bitterness, Paul pursued David to kill him. And... Though David defended himself, his loyalty was never divided between the covenant and his own self-preservation. The covenant came first. He was so loyal that he cried out in 2 Samuel 9.1. 9, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? The word kindness does not do justice to what David was actually saying. The Hebrew word is hesed. The ment mentality of this love is not just kindness. It is practically desperation to demonstrate undying loyalty, no matter what happens to destroy the relationship. Even though Saul was trying to kill David and had even turned his his whole household against him, David only wanted to be loyal. Saul had made everyone believe that David wanted to kill them all. Everyone was in such a fear of David's supposed threat to take over the throne. They were running for their lives. A maid grabbed a young boy, but in the rush she dropped him. He became paralegic as a result of the injuries he suffered In the fall, at the point that David cried, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show Hesed for Jonathan's sake? He learned of this paralyzed boy who was the only one heir left. David sent for him. 
so that he could fulfill his covenant loyalty. This boy had been brainwashed into thinking that David was Chapter 3. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that does go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And the Lord, he it is that doeth go, that does go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31.6.8 God reached out to you, making you an heir to all the blessings of God. God's covenant breaks the curse. You are no longer subject to it. Heirs of the covenant. Focus, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that does go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31, 6. And verse 8. Another reason for studying our covenant is the direct effect it has on our faith. Many in the body of Christ have said we are not meant to arbitrarily stand on a promise for a situation in our lives. They believe if God doesn't give it to you, then faith cannot produce the end results. Those who believe this way do not understand that God has entered into a covenant with us specifically so we will believe and trust the integrity of His promises. Understanding covenant relationships removes doubt as to whether God wants us to take His promises and stand on them. Those who do understand the covenant known that God is eager to keep his word. The covenant is at the forefront of his thinking all the time. And just to be sure, the promises will mean as much to us as they do to God. He has told us to keep his word in the center of our hearts and ever before our eyes. He has told us to meditate on it day and night. Talk about it and think on it continually. Deuteronomy 30 was written to the heirs of the covenant God made with Abraham to give them an unchangeable written statement of God's will for them and his desire to bless them. He was telling his people that he didn't want them to live under a curse. He wanted them to be blessed, so he told them how they could be. To be blessed, they had to come out from under the curse. When man fell, God cursed Satan, Genesis 3, 14 and 15. But because the fall separated the human race from God and joined it to the devil, man came under the curse of his new God, Satan. 
To enter the covenant which God meant that they were brought out from under the curse. If they walked in his ways, they could avoid the curse and be blessed. Walking in his way had more than one meaning. It meant that God wanted them to keep his statutes and obey his commandments. But it also meant walking in the way of blood between the animal halves. The way of blood was the most impressive part of the covenant rite. It was the part that left an indelible mark in the minds of the covenant partners. Reaching out to us, focus. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil that is to say his flesh, Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. For us, a new covenant, as new covenant believers, we have a new way of living according to Hebrews 10, 20. And we can not only walk in the way of God, we walk in the way with God. We walk through the Passover portals of the blood of the Lamb, that was shed for our sins. That blood is at the forefront of God's thinking. It represents His undying loyalty towards us. It is what Jesus meant when He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It is what God said in Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that does go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And the Lord, he it is that does go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. We have nothing to fear, no matter what happens. Because God's loyalty towards us will never fail. All through the Old Testament, God was trying to get across to his people how much he loved them and how desperately he wanted to bless them. God's best drove him to find a way to convey this intense desire to them. The method he chose to convey this message was to cut a covenant with a man named Abraham. Since covenants were customary at that time, Abraham was very familiar with the covenant agreement. Until then, Abraham had worshipped the moon and the stars, gods which never reached out to do anything for him. And suddenly the Almighty God reached down from heaven and promised to bless him, and to make him the father of many nations. At that time, Abraham was an old man, and his wife Sarah was old and barren. It was very difficult for Abraham to believe that God was able and willing to do this favor for him. Cutting a covenant with the most con- the, was the most convincing way God could have faked Abraham's faith. This covenant is recorded in Genesis 15, 16, 17, and 18. 
And while the covenant rite did not take place at one time in one place, it included all of the customs of the day. The sacrificial animals were a, a heifer, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. The animals were split down the back, though a way of blood was paid between the halves. Abraham, Abraham and God exchanged names, promises were made, and a blessing and a curse were pronounced. The scar of the covenant was the circumcision of every man-child. And through their covenant, God conveyed the message that he had joined himself as an irrevocable union with Abraham and all his descendants for one reason, to bless them. Now begin and enjoy it. You have a new covenant with better promises. When you study covenant enough to get a revelation of it, you can become a fully persuaded of God's desire to fulfill his promises to you as Abraham was. This will in turn have a direct effect on your faith in God and the promises he has made you. Amen. The purpose of the covenant is to strengthen our faith in God's loyalty, be to strengthen our faith in God's desire to bless us. The result of the covenant is to establish relationship between God and man, brought blessings to man, and our awareness of those blessings. Rites of the covenant, sacrificial animal, way of blood, Names exchanged, blessing and curse, promises sworn, scar, covenant meal.